Welcome everybody to The Lawyer and the Layman. We had a little bit of a break because, well, Agen is taking over the world. Kind of trying to. <laughs> trying to. Yeah. And it is working out pretty well. And yeah, you know, scheduling, it'd be like that sometimes. But we are back and today is going to be a good one. Yeah, today is going to be super, super interesting. Mm. So obviously I'm Jennifer Sala from Shinders Attorneys. I am joined with Paul Michael, partner at Shinders Attorneys and badass attorney and yeah we basically going to be speaking about cannabis and parenting so as everyone knows i'm a family law expert and paul michael was um part of the cannabis judgment that we have spoken about in the past and now we've gone to a point where we need to have a meeting of minds because there's certain issues that are being raised and everyone actually doesn't know what's going on so well, Mark and I sat together, we said, let's let's educate and let's actually get to a point where we can guide people. How's it, PM? How are you doing today? Good. I'm very well, thanks, Jen. That's yeah. good. That's good. So let's get into it. Yeah, it's actually quite cool because like, well, just before we started, like, Jen was introducing Paul to me and it was like, he's the Yoda of the cannabis game. <laughs> and so I'm like really interested. What are, what's, what's going on? Like, what is the thing with parents and the weed? Well, it's an interesting one because it, it used to be a very easy go-to for a parent who wanted to deprive the other parent of access to the child or to um, essentially gain an advantage in a, in a divorce scenario or a, or a split scenario over the other parents to just accuse them of um, illegal drug use. Yeah. That, without question, um, in a lot of judges' minds, rendered the, the um, parenting style of, of that parent open to criticism. But now that cannabis has been legalized, well, decriminalized in this sense, and somebody's allowed to um, possess it and use it in their own private space, so long as they're an adult, um, it begs the question as to whether this person can be uh, held to be a bad parent for doing that, and, and whether this is something that even ought to factor um, without more um, in, a, in a parenting scenario. So the, these are things that we now need to look at and whether we ought to treat this like tobacco, like alcohol, um, like the other so-called um, legal or decriminalized drugs. Yeah. Because, because alcohol and tobacco are drugs. Let's not forget yeah, that. They're, they're, just, they're just legal drugs. Yeah. 100%. And I think the, it's, it was a very easy task for institutions like the family advocates in the courts to say, well, this is an illegal substance you can't do it, therefore you are deprived access to your kids. So I think that now it's gone a step further where it's not illegal anymore to obviously use it in a private space, um, everything that we've spoken about in the past, but now does it make you a bad parent? And that's something that, that Paul Marco and I have actually been discussing because it shouldn't be focused only on cannabis. It should be focused on best interests of the child and how do we navigate through this now? Yeah, because there's going to be a lot of parents that are facing this that they do smoke um, marijuana or they do use the oils or they do something like that and now they're in a custody battle and uh, what kind of ammunition can they possibly use yeah. because it has it's not per se illegal anymore but we must also draw, draw a line in the sand and say obviously you can't smoke it in front of your children yeah. and we need to you, so you can't say okay cool I'm in a private space my kids are next to me, I can smoke it around, and that's not yeah. that's not where we're going with this. And and in fact, in the judgment, it's very clear that mm. you can only consume cannabis around other adults who consent to be in the presence of you while you're using it. Exactly. Uh, that doesn't include children, so you certainly cannot be consuming cannabis 
um, in front of your children, but it does beg the question as to whether you can be under the influence yes. of cannabis under your children. So and, also, can, your children. and also, could you then like slip off to the back garden, have a joint, and then come back? Well, I mean, these are, these. This is exactly what we're here to discuss. I mean, what what is the problem if if you do that? I mean, obviously, you can't now drive your kids around. In fact, for that matter, you're not allowed to drive anyway, even by yourself, because that's driving under the influence of narcotics, which, yeah. which, is, a, which, is, which is a crime. The, the well, thing. I mean, that's that's something that just has to be dealt with by the law. I mean, mm. it's 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 been it's always been a crime, and they've never been able to test for whether you're under the influence of cannabis. Of course, they can test whether cannabis is in, in your system, but given that it can linger in your system, depending on the frequency of use for anything up to a month, if not more, um, you can certainly say that somebody has smoked in, in recent times, um, well, in the last month, but you can't say whether at that point in time they are under the influence of cannabis and are compromised, you know. And again, we get into this question of what, what is compromised because you, you might not be able to get behind a wheel of the car because it renders you unsafe, but it doesn't mean that you can't uh, plot around the house and make dinner for exactly, your kids and exactly. make dinner for your kids and put on Netflix and have a giggle with them, yeah. you know, it's... Uh, which was probably done before, because let's be honest, a lot of the parents that um, are, are getting flack for it before it was decriminalized smoked it before then. But obviously that was used as a power tool in a divorce or anything. It's an illegal substance. But I think, yeah. I think what we should do is that let's focus on some sort of practical scenario. Sure. So we have a, a client that walks into our offices and he sits down with us and he says, uh, Paul Michael, I see that you were part of the cannabis judgment. I need your help. Right, because you obviously Paul Michael does get a lot of people that come to him with all these issues, but it's starting to change now in the family in the family aspect. And he sits down and he gives us a whole bunch of documents, and we go through it. And the family advocate's officer specifically says um, that this father cannot uh, exercise contact with his children unsupervised because of the illegal drug abuse of cannabis, because he openly says. I smoke cannabis every day, it helps me with my anxiety, it helps me with this and this and this. Yeah. And now there's that report, but now it's actually not in the legal substance in obviously the realms that we've spoken about. How do we tackle this? Because now we have, let's say, another parent that's relying completely on that report and saying, well, you can't see your kids unsupervised because you're a drug addict and you're a bad father. Yeah. And also, isn't the other flip side of it, if it's, if it's helping him with his anxiety, if you take yeah. the weed away from him, is the anxiety and the kid, isn't that also not just a bad mix? Yeah, I mean, I, I've spoken to a lot of people who are cannabis users who would say that their cannabis use has rendered them better parents. Yeah. Mm. They, they are less stressed out. They are more fun around their kids. Um, they have time for quiet reflection about how to be a better parent. So we, we do need to start questioning these age-old propaganda ideas that just because you're a cannabis user per se, that renders you unfit to, to rear a child. Yeah. Um, but, but as Jen says, I mean, you know, go, going back to that scenario, um, that, that family advocate report would have been something that was issued prior to the Constitutional Court For me, Court it's judgment. outdated yeah. and it should be revised. But how do we guide an institution like that to say, well, open your mind. How do you, what are the processes? And I think that's one of the biggest things that we're facing now is, yeah. is how do we say, well, okay, it's always going to be the best interest of the child. But yes. you must also understand two parents, best interest of a child, completely subjective. So that, that is yeah. a word that is best interest of a child, yes. best interest of a child. 
the mother might think, well, it's not in the best interest of my child to be around someone that smokes cannabis. And the father might be, well, it is in the best interest of my child for me to be calmer, better. Yes. So that, it's, it's something that we, we need guidance with. But I think the biggest thing is that we need to say, well, let's take the word cannabis away and let's use alcohol and let's use, because you can yeah. abuse anything. Yeah. And PM would chat it, and I were chatting the other day and he said, well, would, would a parent be a good parent if they weighed like 300 kilos and couldn't move from their bed because they abused food? And, and that's exactly, but we also need to draw mm. the line between abuse and use. Yeah. It's, a, it's a very important distinction yeah. because, because anything's open to abuse. There are people mm. who abuse exercise. There are, exactly. for that matter, there are people who abuse sex. Mm. Um, you know, sex is, a, you know, so long as it's done behind closed doors between consenting adults, it's, mm. it's something that ought not to be frowned upon. But um, there are certain aspects of it that your children just ought not to be exposed to. 100%. Yeah. So let's draw an analogy there. Mm. You know, um, all good and well if, if you want to have your dungeon with your whips, etc. <laughs> down, down, down there, but make, but make sure that that dungeon remains locked and that your kids don't find their way down there to discover what a freak... It's like, Dad, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so I think this is really just about what, what, what we consider as, or... or acceptable adult behavior but that which ought not to be exposed exactly or, or kids ought not to be exposed to exactly um, so so i mean you you go back to the subjective argument i mean if if the wife is accusing the the father of being a bad parent for smoking cannabis then surely it needs to go a little bit for, further she needs to come with some objective reason mm -hmm. to say well here I have an example of him smoking cannabis and losing his mind and doing something irresponsible. Or leaving it on the uh, like joints all over the house, where the kids have access to it, or something that is irresponsible behavior. But it's not, um, not by virtue of cannabis. But at the end of the day, like even if you have alcohol, you shouldn't have open bottles around children or be drinking where you're taking care of the kids and they're by a pool. So I think. The way that the the parenting scenario has always happened, it should flow, but it shouldn't be well. You're a bad parent because you smoke cannabis, which, like, has I've been reading a lot of. Um, they did a poll in America where a lot of people had wanted to have their say, and it's actually it's it's quite humorous. Some of them are are, are very funny, and some of them are completely serious. So some people say, well. Um, Alcohol, pot, drugs, it's all the same. It affects judgment and responsibilities. I don't care if it's only one parent. Eventually, one of the parents would be left alone with the children and what happens in an emergency. And that's, that's true in any sort of thing. Even yeah. sleeping pills or anxiety pills. I know I once took half an anxiety pill um, and I had to Uber home. It knocked me out. You should have smoked a joint. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I took half this anxiety for and it completely, it, it made me go wonky and exhausted. Mm. But I think we now need to get to a point where opinions in this regard should not matter as much as does, because every, every person's different. Of course. Yeah. And, and every parenting style is different. I know for me, if I was married to a person that when they smoked weed, they sat on the couch, they, in they didn't interact with the children, they made them stare at an iPad and not parents, I wouldn't be happy with that. Yes. But if I had but a I mean, husband yeah. that smoked weed and I knew that he was fun and excited and, and was a good parent on it, that wouldn't matter to me. Yeah. But I'm saying that in a good space, what happens when you get divorced? Yeah. yeah. And no, I mean, the no, flip no, side no. of that is that there are a lot of sober parents who 
sit on the couch and don't interact and exactly. just the screen and say, well... Yeah, and, and, and there are a lot of sober parents who are otherwise irresponsible parents. Yeah. You know, it has nothing to do with whatever chemical is introduced into their system. That's just their their makeup or their or their temperament. Um, so, so it, it it has to be on a case by case mm. basis. Um, but but the point is that um, cannabis as ammunition per se needs to be something that um, gets left behind in the history books. Not so. Completely, completely, and I deal with a lot of matters where. I have issues where there's other drug abuse. So, say for example, one of the parents is abusing uh, substances like cocaine or something like that. And for me, it, that's also a very different boundary because then you get uh, erratic behavior. And once again, we have to, also it's illegal, yeah, but yeah. also we have to draw their behavior based on that yes. drug yes. is something that I think is so important. Yeah. And I think that's something as a family law attorney, I always have to look at. And let's say, for example, and I even said this to PM, if you are in a situation where the person or the mother or the father is saying to the other parent, you cannot see your kids if you smoke cannabis. Mm. And that is the only thing in your way of seeing your kids. Then you have to kind of look at yourself and go, should I, shouldn't I? And that's, but that's a personal choice. Yeah. But if you do want to go into a court battle, we can say, well, mm. we back you. And we yeah. are there to, to show you that the reports and everything that were conducted before actually are outdated. Yes. Look, I mean, you know, it's, it, it would be a little bit unfair without more mm. for a spouse to say, well, you're not allowed to see your kids unless you stop this. Mm. But, but quite rightly, at the end of the day, you know, what, what's more important to you, seeing your child or... Or holding on to your cannabis mm. habit but also I mean it depends what, what are you using the cannabis for I mean if mm. somebody's using it for chronic pain that's like the the opposing parents saying well you need to go off your pain medication you need to be in constant pain in order to be able to see your kids yeah and there's a lot yeah. of cruelty that comes with divorce as well I mean people aren't acting um, as parents always in the best interest of the child as you would well know often it's just about getting back at the other parent for yeah. whatever harm that you think it is that they've done to you or, mm. or, to, or to your family you know it yeah. becomes like a revenge scenario but you, you, you spoke about erratic behavior um, and this is why I, I again go back to case-by-case -case basis because cannabis is relatively um, harmless compared to things like tobacco and alcohol, but that's not to say that it is harmless in all cases. I mean, exactly. we, we know that the, 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 the science says that in, in some very rare cases, it, it can create serious psychological issues. People can have psychotic episodes um, akin to schizophrenia. Mm. So people can have proper freakouts, and this is something that if you are one of those people, it would be very legitimate to make sure that your child is not exposed to those psychotic episodes. And if, if the psychotic episode is triggered by cannabis and you know that, then it's very fair to say that you are not allowed to parent while being mm. under the influence yeah. of cannabis. But it's not, it's, not, it's not basically, and I think this is what we're going to encounter, <coughs> it's, it's not parents that are actually genuinely sitting down and saying, listen, when you smoke cannabis, you get antsy and I've seen you like this. They're not understanding people. They're literally saying, you're smoking cannabis, means you're a bad parent. It, do you know what I mean? So it's, it's kind of like the nexus that is drawn between cannabis and parenting. Yeah. You smoke it, even if it makes you a fantastic, arty, unreal person, just because you smoke it, now I'm going to use it as ammunition. Because you must also understand, alienating parents will use anything. 
if someone arrives five past three and they were supposed to fetch a child at three, you're a bad parent because you're late. Um, you you smoke cannabis, you're a bad parent because you smoke cannabis. Yeah. Anything that that person does, will they, they will be under fire. But now, PM, PM and I, it's up to us to basically say, well, that's nonsense. You can't just use cannabis now as an excuse because it used to be illegal and you can restrict. Because at the end of the day, Children deserve both parents, unless obviously they're sexual, physical, or any abuse. But they deserve both parents. And we're all individuals. We're all human beings. You're not going to be 100% dad of the year all the time. And you're not going to be 100% mom of the year all the time. But it's up to you to actually mom up, dad up, and man up. And say, well, you know what? Yes, he smokes marijuana. Let's set boundaries within ourselves. Please don't smoke it when you fetch the kids the day before. Please put it in cupboards where it's locked. And that's when parents actually have to come together and set their own boundaries to work together in order to co-parent. Oh, so the divorcing parents must work together. Well, they have to. that sounds... They have to. They had a child together. They need to love their child more than they hate each other. I'm sorry. Like, you brought this little individual into the world. And yes, you've gone through a divorce. But why should they suffer? And kids are the ones that always suffer. Because yeah. I read something so interesting the other day that said, when... Parents are horrible to their children and they abuse their children. The children don't end up hating the parents. They end up hating themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what's extremely concerning is that we now need to get to a space where if parents don't know and they're actually confused, they say, PM, Jen, help us. Because I, I refer a lot of my clients to life coaches and psychologists and all of that because the law is not... Most of the time when there's that abuse, it's not a legal problem. It's a psychological problem with them. Yeah. Is there a way to like have some kind of objective test in terms of like, so, you know, with alcohol, if, if there is like a pattern of, okay, you're always slurring around the kids and stumbling Mm. around and, you know, because you're so drunk, you like, Mm. I don't know, leave the fireplace on and the kids have to sort of be their own parent. Is there sort of like an objective test with cannabis where we can say, okay, if you smoke, as long as it's not obviously in front of the kids, but if you smoke somewhere, then come back around them, but it's within these sort of parameters, mm. that's fine. And then outside yeah. of that. <clears throat> well, we haven't legislated yet in reaction to the judgment. So we don't have a we don't have anything on our statute books that says that as a parent you're allowed to do XYZ with cannabis and you're not allowed to do um A B C. Yeah. That doesn't exist yet, but what we have is um our common law. Um our common law is what is developed through the courts. So you know, when we talk about things being handled on a case-by-case basis, each case that is determined by the courts and the family courts yeah. is going to be a precedent that's relied upon in future cases. Okay. So unfortunately, this is probably going to be one of these slow processes where we know from this case that you're not allowed to do this because that was overstepping the mark, but we know from that case that you are allowed to do this. Okay. That's, that's, that's an acceptable form of behavior. And, and it's going to be very slow um, unless there is a specific act that's, that's promulgated. But I don't see it happening in relation to parenting and cannabis per se. I mean, we've seen some drafts, um, unofficial drafts of legislation that they want to put into place for personal private use. And it just talks about not uh, consuming it in front of somebody who is under the age of 18 years old. Um, and I, I think we must, uh, we're probably going to have to do a follow-up show on this, mm. but there are actually very good reasons um, to keep cannabis out of the hands of people who are minors, um, you know, yeah. out of the hands of children. Um, 
but 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 really at this stage I think it's 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 important just to say that the Constitutional Court was very clear. The law will be very clear that no matter what happens, even if one day we have a complete free trade in cannabis, it's always going to be for adults. Yeah. Um, it's not going to, and it should not land in the hands of children. Yeah. So, so you know, you not only don't want them exposed to you smoking cannabis or having access to your cannabis, there's there's probably very good reasons to discourage, to actively discourage the use of cannabis, and that maybe. Um, you know, you know, parents um, are, are the people who set examples for their children. So it might be that you don't even want your child knowing that you're a cannabis user, for yeah. argument's sake. Um, but, yeah. but, but, but we don't know where these borders mm. are. These are these are things that we need to debate. It's the unknown, and I think, and I think from all of this, my what, I, and it just came to me now. I think it's up to the professionals, so me, you, psychologists, people that deal in this realm, to actually equip themselves with the knowledge and be able to guide their clients in the right way. So if I had a client that I knew smoked because he smoked here and there, because he had anxiety, different story. But if I had a client that I knew abused it, left it around for the kids, it's up to me to say that's not on. Like, mm. you can't do that. And psychologists to also do that and say, well, do you need it? Does it help you? Do you do it um, because it makes you feel better? And kind of work with your clients where they understand why they're doing it and the consequences of doing it. Because at the end of the day, alcohol, you can have a glass of wine in front of your, well, not that you can, but people, moms do. They'll have a glass of wine. Yes. I've even seen that. Um, I was at a two-year-old's birthday last year and people were drinking wine in mugs yes. so the kids couldn't see. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's one of those things that I just think that in it's going to be very hard, and that's why I love family law and also hate it at the same time, because it's going to be very hard. To, you're really trying to regulate a person's behavior. It's never going to happen. Yeah. Um, but it's up to us as professionals to be able to speak, like PMI, like he's like, I don't know much about this. I'm like, I don't know much about this. Let's try to put our brains together and develop something that makes sense. And then when people step into your office, they trust that you've thought about it. They trust your opinions. They trust your views and hopefully you will act on it. Yeah. So. Because um, I suppose the other thing I wonder about is to use liquor again. Like, mm. you know, if you, you keep your stuff in a liquor cabinet, but kids are, kids are clever. I used to drink my grandmother's Amarula and blame the domestic workers. <laughs> yeah. like, I used to get literally, like, at 10 years old and no one knew. Yeah. Jen, Jen, it explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, a, it's like a, uh, an alcoholic milkshake. <laughs> yeah. 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 Delicious alcohol. I think we all started on those Amarillas and hooches and that sort of thing. Yeah, I can't even have peach schnapps, I'll vomit. Remember arches. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and wasn't it always, almost always stolen from the parents' liquor cabinets? 100%. Yeah. But yeah. imagine now... I send, I'm going through a divorce and I send my child, well, not my child, our child, I hate when parents say my child, our child to the father and then he comes back and I find a joint in his pocket. Yeah. It's very different to having a yeah. sip of Amarula yes. in yeah. my mind. And, and of course, the other thing that comes into play is that now there's this explosion of edibles. There, yeah. are, there are things that look like gummy bears and, oh, and, yes. and brownies, uh, brownies etc. And so... And so as a consequence, you've got these things that you, you really need to make sure aren't in front of your kids because they might not even know that it's something that they're not supposed to consume. Yeah. And you don't want your kid uh, being admitted to the emergency room with a psychotic episode because you've uh, let them eat too many of daddy's gummy bears. Yeah. 
And those things are I mean, hectic. I've had one before and I was yeah. so ill. Fair, <laughs> kids are... I find kids are pretty clever. Like, they probably know exactly yeah. where gum, yeah. dad's gummy bear stash is. Mm. No, well, you know, the thing is here, I mean, just, just for argument's sake, I mean, you've got a liquor cabinet and you have a key for that, but, you know, this cannabis generally, I mean, unless you are using and possessing so much that it actually renders it illegal it's it, it's in quite small amounts that, yeah. that you hold on to it so there's there's an argument that it, it should be easy enough to keep it in your safe for example okay. and and to make sure that your kids don't know where the key is to the safe yeah. um, it can't just be a case of putting it um, in a in a high up drawer and then telling your kids that they're not allowed to look in there because mm, they'll go look yeah. in there. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like telling somebody not to push the red button of course mm. they're going to push the red buttons so. and plants like if like in kids in their garden, it's, it's a whole bunch of plants you, around. You know, it's a very interesting one um, because, of course, you know your garden is your private space, but mm. um, it's it's quite clear in terms of the judgment that if you've got kids around, you ought not to be growing cannabis in front mm. of them because, of course, then they could pick for arguments like the cannabis cure it and smoke it. Yeah. And um, what naughty teenager isn't going to do that? Mm. I remember when I was younger, my dad actually found a. a plant growing in the garden and yeah. I was never a weed smoker but obviously I think I had a party then someone yeah. was smoking weed in the seeds and he came up to me in the kitchen and he was like do you know if I have a question to ask you I'm like yeah he's like do you <laughs> smoke spliff I was like what the hell spliff I had no idea what he was talking about he brought me this plant he's like this has been growing in the garden I was in so much trouble <clears throat> But my mom turned around to him and said, you know, Jennifer literally does not know how to plant anything. <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah. she kills everything. And then my dad was like, fair enough. But yes. it's also, let's say you, you, you're planting it it's, and you've got kids and also neighbors' kids coming over. Yeah. I wouldn't be very happy if my child was around that. But yeah. I suppose it's, it is each their own. You know, the other thing to bear in mind is that for argument's sake, I mean, there are a whole lot of poisonous plants that mm. grow in many people's gardens. I mean, you know... you. You, you can't now ban people from growing poppies mm. because uh, you can, for argument's sake, make heroin out of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, those, you know those uh, mushrooms that you, you yeah. always pull out and they'll be like, don't eat that because yes. they're poisonous. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, there's, there's also a level at which, you know, kids are stupid and um, quite clever at the mm. same time. You know? Yeah. It's, 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 it's very rare for a kid who's told not to eat a poisonous mushroom to then go and, and eat it. Yeah. You know, if, if, if you're told and if the parenting is right that this is really, really bad for you, then, then perhaps it is quite benign to grow something at the bottom of the garden. I mean, if the child actually doesn't know what it is. I mean, certainly if you're growing a cannabis plant, which, you know, if you eat the raw bud, it does nothing to mm. you. It, it requires heat and, and fat if you're going to cook it to, to activate it. If you have a cannabis plant growing at the bottom of the garden and your five-year-old or even your ten-year-old has no idea what it is, mm. objectively, that's a harmless plant growing at the bottom of the garden no, because there's course. nothing that they can do with it. It's yeah. only when they start getting a little bit older and, and a little bit more street smart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I can is. sell this to my friends. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I mean, a, a cannabis plant is really of no harm to a five-year-old. I mean, mm. they, they can... They can dive through it, they can rub their faces in it, and it's, yeah. not, it's not going to do anything no, to them, 100%. you know. So. Okay. But I think, yeah, I think the, the, the main thing out of this is that what I want people to know is that it's still such a grey area. Yes. And I, that's what makes it cool, because yeah. Yeah. we can talk about it, and we can give opinions, and we can give views, and I think if you are in a predicament like this, where either you're smoking and you're, you're under the fire, or you have your ex that is smoking, 
come come and see us just to get like some sort of guidance because if you don't know and we're trying to figure it out i think if we all get to a point that we can say well this will work for you either go to mediation or do this or speak or because you understand every single matter in family law is completely different yeah. like nothing is the same so yeah that's that's just my my view on that okay yeah, any last words yeah, it's, it's, it's really just to, I think Jen already mentioned it, but you, you need to love your child more than you hate one another. So, mm. you know, anything can be turned into a mudslinging match. Um, just be level-headed about it. I mean, if your partner is smoking weed and it's not a problem, leave them alone. Yeah. Let them do that which isn't a problem. And yeah. let's, let's just be adults and get on with life without trying to cause too many difficulties for one another. Yeah, you should come do family law. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just going to record that and just like as someone comes into office, just play that, and then people be like, "So, so you better now? So have you come to your senses?" <laughs> awesome, guys. So, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, what are your socials? Or your email address? Or your email addresses? Like or how do people find you? Well, certainly, um, from the cannabis law perspective, we have a dedicated email address. It's, oh. it's cannabis at schindlers.co.za. And if you Wonderful. send your query to that email address, uh, either me or one of the uh, very capable juniors to me are going to respond to you in a matter of minutes. So, oh, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. And then, um, obviously, Jennifer Stala on Instagram. Jennifer Stoller on Facebook and then Stoller at Schindlers.co.za. Yeah, um, st- stay off my social media if I don't know you. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny because Yulisa, Yulisa's name on Instagram is none in a brothel. And I, was like, I was like, he kept on saying, Yulisa and Kelly. And I was like, yo, people can't find you. That's not your name on Instagram. <laughs> I yeah, I'd entirely forgotten about that. <laughs> but yes, so there you can find me on Instagram. Or you can always email us at Laura in the name and at gmail.com. Awesome. Thanks, guys. That was a really good one. Thank you. Cheers. Oh. Brilliant.